Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we got lots and lots of news today. This is a TriCast broadcasting out of WABC 770 Studios. Uh, also, WLIR and 970 AM, The Answer. And in the studio, we have a full studio today and a lot of breaking news. Uh, we have two common sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg and a new guest uh, from Mars that we hope he can be a regular guest, Governor Jim McGreevy. How are you, Governor? Good to be Welcome with you, Welcome to John. the studio. Thank you. And two common sense Republicans. We got uh, Ed Cox, and uh, we have Congressman Peter King. Good to be well, with I you, like John. I like that tie you're wearing, John. I, I found it somewhere. A very, very good friend of mine gave me it years ago. And uh, my sidekick is next to me. We have uh, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, you know, we got an exciting show, don't we? And, and breaking news. Absolutely. We are, of course, we'll be speaking with Governor McGreevy, and then we'll be talking to former police commissioner Bill Bratton, Michael Cutler. Well, he's a retired senior special agent. He'll be talking to him. We'll be talking to him about the border. Talking to Bob Unanwe, the CEO of Goya Foods, regarding a food crisis. A Is live he report from, from Poland? Correct. Live report from Poland. And actor Tony Lobianco. But first, we got it's some. The 50th anniversary of. The French, French connection. connection. That's correct. First, we got, though, some breaking news. WABC. And that breaking news right here from Ed Cox is a groundbreaking decision. The breaking news is that the highest court of New York State just handed down an extraordinary common sense de- decision that's going to give the voters of New York fair districts with respect to the state Senate and with respect to the congressional districts. The legislature, they had used their supermajority to really gerrymander the heck out of the state Senate districts and the same with the congressional districts. The voters of New York will now have fair districts to vote for the candidate they want. You mean you won't have a congressional district in five different counties? Exactly. No, they're going to be compact. They're going to be contiguous. They're going to represent communities of interest. Court of Appeals getting involved, but uh, Governor McGreevy and I have been in politics. We know the majority party always tries to slant it their way. The crazy thing here is the Democrats overdid it. This was such overkill that no court could really sustain this. It was uh, they they could have easily given and, themselves one or two more seats, but instead they just, also also yeah. they they they're going to have a special. Uh, who are they going to have doing the redistricting? The redistricting in the future is going to be done by a strong redistricting commission that the voters voted for in 2014. But this one, though, is going to be a special master is being appointed. A right? special master will yeah. draw the – for this election, the special master will draw it, a court special master. The uh, Court of Appeals – this is uh, Richard Weinberg. The Court of Appeals sent the case back to the state Supreme Court, the trial right. court. Right. And he had already appointed a special master. He's probably working on the maps as we as we speak, he's been working on them for right, for, for more for, than a week. For more than you can be sure of that, and uh, I think the court of appeals decision was absolutely correct. What I'm concerned about is that they didn't touch the uh, the assembly lines because they, they didn't preserve the issue for appeal. So you're going to have new districts for the state senate, new districts for congressional, but the assembly lines stay the same. No, in the assembly they were negotiated in the assembly between the Republicans and the Democrats, and they agreed on those lines. So that's why the assembly is not included in this decision. What does this mean for the elections, though? Will they still be held in the, June or August, or the, what's the deal? The, the primary elections will be put off from June 28th to sometime in mid-August uh, in order to have a the new districts and a full new petitioning process for those districts. Okay. So all those petitions have to be redone? They have to be redone. You're talking about tens and tens of thousands of signatures. Wow. Well, they have to what? Go out. The candidates um, have to go out and talk to the people. What a mess. And some congressional what candidates may decide not to run when they see what the new district is. Well, look, this is what happens, Lydia, when, as, as uh, when Congressman Democrats King are in said, charge? when the no. Democrats... Uh, <laughs> But the Democrats try to gerrymander the heck out of the out of the Senate and the. Yeah, they had a good the deal going, and they really went too oh, they, far. They don't want to stop. Absolutely, the judges are not all Republicans. Tell me about their party no, lines. No, the judges well, were all yeah. appointed by Democrats by Andrew Democrats. Cuomo and Hochul. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's really great that they yeah. decided no, you know, on the merit you, of the case. At least you get an, on, an honest answer. You, yeah, you, that's great. That's what a judge a common, should do. Common sense court. Now, we could argue this in the studio. Uh, the Judge Weinberg's wife is on the other side of you. We could have saved the taxpayers a lot so of money. So is the judge allowed to go home tonight? Over the Does but, the judge but, need but, a place to stay but tonight? where's the judge? <laughs> well, oh, my wife and I are on different uh, political points of view on this. I've been against this redistricting from the very beginning. However, I have to say my wife uh, won uh, for the state assembly lines. She won for the congressional line. She lost. So she's batting 500, and congratulations to her. All right. <laughs> you, can go, you can go home now. I'll give you that, Your Honor. <laughs> I think Governor McGreevy is shocked. None of this ever goes on in New Jersey. No. <laughs> above, above reproach. <laughs> Well, the fact that they ruled it unconstitutional is pretty, you know, because I yeah. just thought um, automatically this is what's going to happen. The Democrats are in control. That's what everyone thought. People are uh, going around the state saying the courts would never approve it, would never redo it. They wouldn't dare take on the legislature. Well, our highest court in New York State did it. I mean, at one point, Bill de Blasio was considering uh, running for Congress because he thought, hey, with this redistricting, Bark Slope is in there. I can do this. And now, you know, that's I, I, not the I case. Think, I think that district was so gerrymandered that it would make Eldridge Gary blush. <laughs> no, and also the uh, Tom Swasey's old district. That goes up all the way up to state somewhere. And someone like Senator Biagi, who's giving up a Senate seat, I, I doubt this district is going to include That district started in Suffolk County, right. went through Nassau County. Queens. Went through Queens, went through Westchester County, up to the Connecticut and the border. Yeah. Right. And there's a real about? community it's of interest that it represents. It's the fish in, in Long Island Sound. <laughs> it's the same. So in plain English, what does this mean for the average New Yorker? For the average New Yorker, this means that they're going to have fair districts and much more competitive districts, most importantly. So there'll be a lot more competition between the parties in more districts. That's and, the bottom line. And, and that's good for New York State and it's good for the country. And they'll actually have a person representing their actual interests from their community that knows what they're going through. Uh, for, uh, represent so. the whole yeah. community. That's right. Right, right. And, and then the other argument is is what's happening nationally. Is What's happening nationally is these districts are – and congressmen can speak to this – forcefully, is that they're designed towards the primaries. And so what happens is the primary becomes, whether you're talking about Republicans, or you're talking about Democrats, the, the primary becomes the election. Correct. And so instead of driving towards the center of the nation, you know, a moderate approach, what you do in many congressional districts, right. the primary is de facto the election. And so that's, you would, you would make an argument nationally that that is not the healthiest for the that fabric of the, the republic. That is too many states here. And this is – at least New York State has got it right this time. Congressman, how many districts across the whole country are what we would call swing districts where a Democrat and a Republican have an equal chance of winning? Oh, maybe 50 or 60. Out of – yeah. Out of 435. Yeah. So that's yeah. – as the governor just pointed out, that's a very unhealthy system. It is. And also what he was saying about the basis of the party, there's an unwritten rule, maybe 15 to 20 percent of the people come out to vote in the primary – also, 5 to 10% of each party is really extreme, and they're more likely to come out in the primaries. And now, we've had races like Eric Cantor, who was our uh, majority, uh, majority leader, probably the most conservative majority leader ever, lost a primary by 10 points because of one amendment on an, uh, some immigration bill that he had forgotten all about. They just they piled on there. And he lost in the primary, and he was all set to become speaker and president. But remember, how did we get de Blasio as the mayor of New York City? How did we get him? What was the primary turnout? It was garbage. It's like 12 percent. It was garbage. So people need to turn out and vote for the primary, because like you said, Governor McGreevy, sometimes <laughs> the primary can be the ultimate election. And it, that's it unfortunate. 80, 80, at least 80 percent of the congressional races, it's the primary. And when people are voting during the year, they're, geared toward the, they're gearing it toward the primary, not toward November. We need more competitive districts in this country, both for Congress and for legislatures. I couldn't agree more. And at this point, we, we just need a common sense individual. I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, independent, black, white, yellow, green, purple, just somebody with common sense. Yeah, of- but do you know the difference is, Olivia? And we've talked about it. You know, no matter how common sense it is, if you vote for a senator that even though he tells you he has common sense and he goes up to Albany mm. and the head of the Senate, Stuart Cousins, says that, if you don't vote for with me, you know what you end up for your district? How do you say Zippo? That's, that's a very Focus. good point. Zippo. That's, that's what happens when the legislative leaders draw the districts. This, In the future, it's going to be the 
Independent Redistricting Commission. That's another thing that this court decision did. The Independent Redistricting is going to draw a district uh, commission is going to redraw the districts. What kind of message do you think this sends to Albany, the legislators? Uh, they're in trouble, I think. I mean, uh, you remember the old adage, remember the Alamo? You remember the other old adage, remember Buffalo, what happened in Buffalo? I think that the people are mad as hell, and they can't take I'm it anymore. mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and what are they sending in? I They were sending in the, don't play the full of crap one. <laughs> Uh, on cue. <laughs> Play the cavalry. Play okay. the cavalry, Kevin. Let's uh, we have. All right, there you go. A little the cavalry fights. The cavalry's coming. They're all in trouble. There's going to be a competitive two-party system in Albany. Beautiful. And now who do but, we have? We have former NYPD Police Commissioner Bill Bratton on the line with us right now. There's so many issues going on here in New York City. One of them, shoplifting. John, you know this all too well. Shoplifting. We, we oh. had a $10,000 reward today, and we had a big press conference today because they held up one of our stores, tied Robbery. up our managers, mm-hmm. and they, they only stole $3,000, but we, we're, we're offering a $10,000 reward because even his own grandmother's going to turn him in. Uh, Commissioner Bratton, um, how do you feel about what's going on in New York City and what can be done about it? I know that's a broad well, question. I think, like all of you, uh, very upset about it. But in my case, I'm particularly upset about it because uh, I focus most of my adult professional life on turning around the crime situation in this city in Los Angeles and did it successfully. And the legislature in less than two years basically screwed up 25 years of progress. And what happened in John's uh, store uh, is just the latest example of how, to, how out of control the crime situation is becoming, not only in New York, but in the country. John, was it in the middle of the day that that happened? No, it happened at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, two adult uh, male blacks came in with guns, put the guns to the manager's head. Oh and could you imagine what he was thinking about? He was probably thinking about uh, uh, what happened in Burger King. I mean, they just shot that poor girl. Right, because she couldn't do it fast and enough. And then, then I understand they tied him up. With zip ties. And which uh, that means that elevates uh, the... The crime up to a higher uh, degree. I mean, uh, uh, Commissioner Bratton, uh, does that elevate the, uh, to the task force or something? Well, it certainly elevates the fear that the two, uh, I guess there were two employees involved, maybe more. But the uh, idea of this occurred, I don't understand it, she stood at 89th and Lex, a uh, very busy area, at what, something like 10 o'clock at night. No, it's just the latest example of the unraveling of. Uh, norms of behavior and decency here in New York that are fueling the crime crises, that people feel they can get away with anything now. And that's reflected in the fact that crime is up 42% this year over last year. And last year was up over the previous year. Uh, transit, it's up 68%. Bill, this is Pete King. On the transit crime, if I can just ask wow. you for a second. I, I want Eric Adams to succeed. I don't think he helped himself by somehow blaming the transit co- uh, crime on cops looking at their phones and encouraging people to go to the subways and take pictures of the well, cops. Well, I'm going to pl- play exactly what Mayor Adams said, so let's, let's hear what he said. You know, you walk downstairs and you see five transit officers standing at the booth looking at their phones. Just can't, we just can't continue to do that. We are going to start taking very aggressive actions to make sure police are patrolling our subway system and not patrolling their iPhone. And if you see it, send me a picture. Let me know. Because I go to that that district the next day and see exactly what's happening. Hmm. What do you think, Commissioner Bratton, about Mayor Adams? As as you know, I've been a strong supporter of the mayor in terms of the positions he's taking. This is one where uh, I think uh, uh, a misstep on his part. Uh, I introduced those iPhones in 2015. They are not like your iPhone or my iPhone. These are uh, phones that connect those offices to every uh, conceivable piece of information in the NYPD. How do you think we got in touch with 35,000 cops instantly after the shooting on the subway with those iPhones? They constantly are receiving information. They're required to enter information constantly into those phones. The issue is uh, training, training the offices that when there are two of them, 
no more than one of them should be on the phone while the other is constantly still scanning, looking for danger to themselves, danger to the public. So I think where the mayor was coming from, uh, he was frustrated seeing this, but not fully understanding or appreciating that it's a training issue and that the essential essentiality of those phones, those things, those phones are incredible devices. They're much more powerful than anything you or I are carrying, and they're intended to be that way. The police commissioner can instantly reach all 35,000 cops through those phones when they're looking for somebody. If we had them in 2014, we might have prevented the murders of Officer Detectives Ramos and Loop if we could have sent out the information on the guy we're looking for at that time. So, no, I think uh, a mistake uh, on the mayor's part, which he's dealing with the unions now. The unions came out uh, uh, right off the gun, as you might imagine. We should be taking photographs of the, uh, the criminals rather than uh, right. the police. And uh, Commissioner Bratton, do you think if a cop is looking down at his phone, that somehow is enabling the crime that's occurring down down uh, underground? I mean, we got a 68% increase. I highly doubt that has anything to do with the cop looking down at the phone. The reality is he might be getting information about a crime that just occurred and that suspect that they're looking for. So basically he looks down, gets the picture of the suspect description. Then he can look up and start looking around for that individual. No, these, these are alert devices to keep the officer informed about what's going on around them. You know, also safety devices to allow the officer to very quickly get information out when they're uh, uh, seeking assistance. No, that uh, this was a, an unusual misstep for the mayor on this one. And uh, uh, the cops are not going to be happy about it. They don't like the idea of people photographing them anyway. That, uh, but this way, now encouraging them to send in photos. There'll be a lot of those photos because those cops are on those phones all the time. And understandably, you can understand why they're on those phones all the time. Commissioner, it's Ed Cox. You know something about uh, taking care of crime in subways. How do you make the public feel safe in the subways? What has to be done to, to accomplish that? Well, the uh, public needs to see the officers taking action against the uh, uh, there's only seven major crimes a day, and I'm talking lobbies, et cetera, in the subways, three female riders. But there's tremendous amounts of disorder that uh, the public witnesses. The fare evasion is a prime example. The authority loses hundreds of millions of dollars a year to that offense, and they need to see the officers taking action against that. But the officers rightfully feel that if they take action, they're not going to be supported. The district attorneys won't prosecute those minor crimes. So the world's turned upside down. We solved this problem in the 90s, and our legislature in 2019 screwed it all up. Uh, the has got an uphill struggle. We all have an uphill struggle against the Looney Tunes up in Albany and in the city council uh, who refuse to recognize, to correct this crime situation in New York. We're going to have to start basically uh, punishing people because if you don't, they're going to feel they can get away with anything, like robbing one of John's stores at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, uh, or basically assaulting people on the streets 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it is outrageous that this city has got a 42% increase in crime, 68% increase in the subways, and the shoplifting you're talking about, nothing happens to them. Repeated offenses, nothing happens to them. Uh, as you know, I've been very supportive of giving judges more power and discretion, but looking at some of the decisions some of these judges have made, that uh, I'm worried about that aspect of it also. we got too many judges that just don't want to put people in jail. Judge and Weinberg? Unfortunately, a lot, of pe- a lot of people need to go to jail. That's the reality of it. Yeah. Commissioner, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. Uh, I think, l- let me address two points. Number one, I think you have to have changes in the so-called bail reform law. They keep saying they need statistics, they need data, data, data. You've presented the data. You've made a compelling case. It's up to the legislative leaders in Albany to change that law. That's, that's number one. And going to the judges, I don't defend all judges, but I will tell you, under that bail reform law, number one, as you know, judges can't hold somebody in based on dangerousness, only on likelihood of uh, returning well, well, for prosecution. Yeah, you're, you're familiar with the issue of what is one of the most egregious crimes that can occur? Having your home broken into. Absolutely. In, in this state, a judge is not allowed to set bail for that crime. That is one of those crimes where they automatically have to release them. And when you start looking at the NYPD statistics on the huge number of repeat offenders, they estimate that uh, uh, that there's some small number of individuals who are responsible for 30 
10% of the burglaries in the city. We used to have a formula that I think still holds true, the 10% formula. 10% of the criminals commit 50% of the crime. 10% of the locations are where 50% of the crime occur. And 10% of the victims are victimized 50%. So the repeat offenses against domestic violence, that uh, uh, there is a relatively small number of people out of 8.5 million who are committing these crimes, but they just do not want to punish them. There's 3,000, we understand from the current commissioner, 3,000 criminals are committing violent crimes and they're in the streets. And if we got rid of those 3,000, that our our city will be safe again. Well, what you also have to look at is the mess at Rikers. This this government has consciously let Rikers run into uh, deterioration. The previous administration uh, did not hire three classes of correction officers in a row. So what's one of the excuses for not putting more people in Rikers? We don't have enough corrections officers. The mayor and his budget is now going to have to retroactively hire 800 more officers. But that was a crisis created by the previous administration. The deterioration of uh, uh, conditions at the jail was significantly uh, better during the COVID uh, epidemic, where they let out thousands of inmates, many of whom are mentally uh, disturbed, unfortunately. And that's a lot of what you see walking the streets in New York. What this crisis has been created by our government. It didn't just happen. We created it. We created it. And um, I met with Martin Hasner today from the Liberal Party, and he's appalled that these people call themselves quasi-liberals, and they're not liberals. They're regressives, regressives. And uh, we're going to challenge them, and and, uh, he plans to challenge them. Uh, Thank you so much, Bill Bratton, for everything you've done for our our city and our country and continue to do. God bless you, and and God bless the work you're doing. Thank you, John, and your your co-host, Ed. Nice talking with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, And now we have a new guest in the uh, studio. We have Governor uh, Jim McGreevy, and he is busy working. He is working towards reforming a uh, certain people. Governor McGreevy, tell us uh, uh, the work that you're involved with now. Thanks, John. I, I, I have the privilege of working with people that are suffering from addiction, coming home from prison, jail, and, and veterans that are coming home from the theater of combat. And I just appreciate the opportunity today because one of the real crying issues are those veterans after multiple tours, whether in Iraq or Afghanistan. And Congressman King Peter knows this because he's been such a historic strong supporter of, of, of veterans, is that for these guys and gals uh, that get something called an other-than-honorable discharge. And so when you look at discharges, the discharge comes from the Department of Defense or the branch of service. It's, you know, honorable. Then you have uh, other-than-honorable. Then you have basically a bad conduct and dishonorable. And so and so the, the, the point is, is that when you're looking at bad conduct, you're looking at dishonorable, that's adjudicated. But if you're looking at OTH, other than honorable, that's an administrative decision. And so we had cases, and Congressman knows this, where guys had done multiple tours of duty. We had one young man, multiple tours of duty in Afghanistan. He's on the way out. He smokes a joint with his friends, takes a test, in his urine they find THC, Uh, He's discharged with other than honorable. And the problem is, you know, you respect what the Department of Defense does. You respect what the Marine Corps does. But the problem is, is that the VA benefits on addiction and psych are so closely interlinked with the discharge status. And that's the problem. And if I can plead to all of us listening, nationally, veterans are the highest cohort of those suffering from suicide, from homelessness, and particularly for our Iraqi and Afghanistan veterans, uh, mental health challenges. And so that this doesn't happen by accident. It's multiple tours. It's tough coming home. And we need to make sure that these guys and gals, God willing, when they come home, they have every asset necessary to return to civilian life. And I think as, as the congressman said and John, as you said, these are this is an administrative charge. This isn't an adjudication. This these isn't criminal. This isn't criminal. These aren't the bad guys. Um, I'd probably make an argument that they deserve care, too. Uh, but the, clearly for those that yeah. are other than honorable. You're not talking about AWOL. We're not talking about desertion. We're not talking about disobeying an order. 
We're not yeah. going WikiLeaks and changing our sex or any stuff. <laughs> but, no, and, so, and so what's happening in these in these cases, we're just trying to, and, and a, a couple times, you know, there may be the incident where a wall happens because uh, they, so a buddy you, loses. You call them <clears> in, <throat> or do you create hearings for them? So or basically what work? we do is, John, is we're providing for anybody, we're providing for inpatient psychiatric care, and then we're providing for 30 days psychiatric care, Thanks to the leadership of UPenn at Princeton, 30 days of addiction treatment, thanks to Discovery House in Marlboro, New Jersey. And if any veteran, there's about a thousand of these other than honorable veterans who need these psych and addiction services to heal themselves, we're just asking them to reach out to us. If I can give a number. Of course. And we can also tweet it out. Yes, 732-600-9408. 732-600-9408. And this is about helping the men and women who wore this nation's uniform. And is put there themselves a website? In a, is there yeah, a web- you can come to our website. Thank you, John. Uh, www.njreentry. That's N-J-R-E-E-N-T-R-Y. Dot org. N-J-R-E-E-N-T-R-Y. So dot com or dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. See, yeah. that, you should do it both ways. and. Uh, and I'm, that I'm, way, I'm, I'm from Jersey. Mistakes. I'm not that fancy, John. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, on the, I'm on the other side well, of the river. we want to help these veterans. And, uh, look. Yeah, and, th- and that's why, and I, I just want to say thank you to John, and if I can shout out the great Margot, because this is one of the areas that we had discussed, is that for these guys and gals coming home, and they don't have the access to these services because of, as, as Congressman King said, a minor administrative offense, then it becomes difficult for them to re-enter society. And I would make the argument that nobody, God willing, should be worse off for having worn proudly the nation's uniform. And so that if you know someone, if you know a veteran, if you know a, a veteran's family that's suffering, that's in this position, I just ask you to contact our website or the number that I shared, even if in New York and New Jersey, and we'll work to link them to and, site services. And if services. you can't find Governor McGreevy, call WABC uh, Radio and... Uh, and we'll get you to Governor McGreevy and to be able to help those veterans. 1-800-848-WABC. Thank you, John. Governor McGreevy, thank you for and, everything and, and, uh, I'm just waiting you for do me. for those veterans. Yeah, and I'm just waiting to get a half as nice of tie as you gave Peter King. So, uh, <laughs> oh. it's, it's great, isn't it? I, exactly, exactly. Can we get remind uh, Tino <laughs> Ella to send a tie to No, the no like, I, I think that Corvettes had a sale that day. Oh, no, no, here you go. Catch me We got We got to take a picture and put it on social media. Well, exactly. thank you so much, Governor McGreevy. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. And uh, keep, keep fighting, and we hope you come back again soon. Yeah, no, and it's, it's good to be with all these New Yorkers. God bless you for all the work you do. No. You gotta, New Jersey has to have to have, have a piece of the action. Here. Exactly. <laughs> and remember, most of the Statue of Liberty is on our side. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the back end, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a break and tell tell everyone about the second half of the show today. We're going to be talking about the border, Title 42, 18,000 migrants coming across each day. Even Mayorkas is saying it's not sustainable. So keep it right here, WABC. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. We got another power-packed half hour for you. On the line with us right now is Michael Cutler. He's a retired senior special agent of the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. And he's got a lot to say about what's going on at the border. Hello, Agent Cutler. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to join you this evening or this afternoon. So how bad is the mess down there? It's beyond belief. And by the way, it's not just a border issue. I always like to make the point that we are a nation of 50 border states. Yeah. And once these folks get into the United States and we have no idea as to their true identities, they are spreading out across the country. And, you know, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission and 9-11 Commission made it abundantly clear that the only reason that we were able to be attacked, that we were vulnerable, was because of multiple failures of the immigration system. And I spent my 30-year career, a half of it, with the drug task force. So look at the level of narcotics flooding into America. 
Look at the level of criminals coming into the United States. Look, I, I, we're not, we are a nation of immigrants, but we're not a nation of trespassers. And the idea that this administration encourages aliens to enter illegally at a time that we're concerned about COVID, at a time that we're concerned about national security, there are terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil. We know that Iran is working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to move record levels of narcotics and people into the United States, including potentially sleeper agents. There have been hearing after hearing. I've been before 17 hearings in the Congress. I gave testimony to the 9-11 Commission. And to put it succinctly, the Biden administration is violating the findings of the 9-11 Commission and facilitating the biggest human trafficking operation in the history of the United States. And I just wrote an article for U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org, the title, U.S. Extradite Swarma Honduran Presidents for Drug Smuggling While the U.S. Borders Are Wide Open. Realize that we are losing over 100,000 people to drug overdoses. And what is the Biden administration doing? Planning to take down one of the barriers created by Donald Trump to protect America. And by the way, for the record, the border wall that was so contentious was never designed to stop anyone from entering the United States. Think about it. It doesn't block ports of entry. It was only designed to make certain that we funnel everybody and all commerce through a port of entry so that we can vet them and create a record of entry. You know, you go to the baseball park, you go through a gate. You go to the bank, they put you on a velvet rope so that you're guided to the next available teller. The people that oppose the border wall really want chaos at the border, and that's undermining national security, public safety, public health, and let's not forget jobs and wages for Americans. There's nothing right about this story, uh, and the American people need to wake up. This isn't a left-right issue, folks. You know, I'm a registered Democrat, full disclosure. The Democrats are no longer Democrats. What used to be the party of working Americans is now the party of woke Americans, and they're betraying uh, everything that they're supposed to stand for and betraying their oath to vote. Michael Cutler, we have in the studio with us Congressman King, who knows all too well what happens when there's chaos in the country, when the borders are open, MS-13, and there is that fear that there could be another resurgence. Correct, Congressman? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my district on Long Island, when I was in Congress, was besieged by MS-13. It became probably the uh, ground zero of MS-13. Uh, and we had communities. We had 25 murders, brutal murders in 18 months. Thank God President yep. Trump got involved, the Attorney General got involved, and the Homeland Security got involved. But really during that 18-month period, and it was all other immigrants being terrorized. Innocent immigrants were being terrorized and butchered brutally. Yep. And uh, those horrible, horrific-type murders, people would be literally uh, chopped to pieces, videos taken, and sent to the family members. It's absolutely disgraceful. And many of them came yep. in uh, back in 2014 and 15 with, with so-called unaccompanied minors. Yeah, we, we flooded the country with them. I started, I started investigating them in 1991. They were a very small problem back then, and it metastasized because of the unaccompanied minors. By the way, Pete, you know, you and I have met a number of times, and when I talked about that hearing about Hezbollah operating through Latin America, right. you shared that hearing. I remember that. That's right. That's right. God. And, the and days, you yeah. also did some really great hearings about gangs coming into the United States. And when I hear this nonsense that if you want to enforce the immigration laws, you're anti-immigrant, as you point out, the immigrants, and not just from Latin America, because human nature is universal. We have criminals from all over the world. As an immigration agent, I worked with the Israeli National Police. I got an award from the government of Japan. This is universal. Every nationality, ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but if you look at the problem, it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities right. who are most at risk by the bad guys, because that's where they are living, and that's where they're setting up shop. And they're able to intimidate people because they are transnational. They have the, their bad guys operating in their home countries as well as within the United States. So anybody who cooperates with law enforcement here in the United States may find that their families' lives are being threatened back home. Mike, let me just thank you right now before I forget for your service and for your testimony and for the invaluable work you've done in so many areas of national security. So thank you. Agent Cutler, it's... Uh... Thank you, Pete. Well, I guess we're a mutual admiration right. society because I certainly appreciate the hard work that you did because we need political leaders willing to stand up for the American people. You know, the one question I wish somebody would ask Jinsaki or somebody at the White House, how is what is happening in the best 
interests of America and Americans. A right. very fundamental question. How is what is happening good news to the American people? Is that not a fair question? Agent Cutler, it's, uh, it's, you Judge, make a lot of sense. it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I'll tell you what troubles me. And I'm, by the way, I'm a Democrat, too, like you, and I'm very upset about what's going on. What troubles yeah. me is the way they transport these folks in the middle of the night using governmental resources and governmental officials to move them throughout the country into the homeland. How do they get away I with agree. that? I agree. And by the way, if you or I did that under Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1324, we would be arrested and prosecuted and justifiably so. I know I've arrested people for smuggling aliens into the United States. I spent half my career with the drug task force. I've arrested terrorists. And the, the real issue here is a lack of interior enforcement. And you have this guy, Alejandro Mayorkas. And by the way, I write for Front Page Magazine. I write for USInc.org. I'll put in a plug. I do my own internet radio show, The Michael Cutler Hour, Friday night, 7 p.m. on Blog Talk. But if you look at what Mayorkas did when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services for President Obama, he was investigated by the Office of Inspector General for approving petitions for visas that never should have been approved, even after the FBI and Homeland Security warned them that some of these applications related to aliens involved with terrorism. Think about that. And he recently stated unequivocally that when aliens lie on applications for citizenship, this administration will take no action. Even though that's a felony with, with many years in jail normally, we're not going to act because you're an American and we're going to protect you. Do you know that when our guys raided the bin Laden compounds, they found the copy of the 9-11 Commission report, and I provide a testimony to the commission, but also they found a copy of an application for United States citizenship. We have had numerous terrorists come to America, intentionally become citizens so they could acquire a U.S. passport, and by having two passports, they alternate passports as they travel around the world, and we are facilitating that movement when we don't stop terrorists from getting U.S. passports. And this administration said they will take no action. But ironically, they want to beef up IRS to the tune of tens of thousands of IRS agents to go after Americans who make mistakes on tax returns. But aliens who lie on immigration documents have nothing to fear. Well, How bad backwards could that possibly be? Not too many uh, people have much to fear these days. I mean, uh, they're not arresting aliens. They're not arresting... Uh, no, only law-abiding uh, citizens have to fear their own government and the criminals that are really running a reign of terror throughout this country between sanctuary cities, so-called uh, jail reform and criminal justice reform. And are they hiring 85,000... Not encourage it. Are they hiring 85,000 IRS agents to go after the enemy of the Washingtonians? Yes, that's right. And, and keep Americans in line and possibly use them as a secret police. You know, you can prosecute people or investigate people selectively. And you meanwhile, know? meanwhile people, get, yeah, people get a letter from the IRS. They crumble. And meanwhile, oh, believe me. And, and meanwhile, they're opening up the jails as well. So we're flooding yeah. the country with people. We have no idea who they are. We're opening up the jails. And what's we it have, going we to have take? Some breaking news. Yeah. And by the way, I want to I want to give you a real quick number to think about. And the number is nineteen. You know what number nineteen is? That's how many terrorists it took to kill more people on nine eleven than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December seventh, nineteen forty one. And we now have had hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens fled into the country who were so called gotaways. Do you think maybe there might be a handful of terrorists among them? And when we hear how many terrorists are on the terror watch list, please know this. Most terrorists are not on watch list. That's what sleeper agents are. And I fear the day that there will be another attack. And I remember after 9-11 that there were all these members of Congress and all these political leaders standing at the podium and pounding the podium and demanding to know why no one connected the dots. The dots have been connected, and we have an administration right now in Washington that seems to have been looking at the 9-11 Commission report and decided for whatever reason, and they need to answer this question, to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction, violating every finding and every recommendation of that Commission report. Re retired can, senior special agent. justify that? Uh, retired special agent uh, from the INS, uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. Michael Cutler, and we're going to catch up thank with you, you again John. real soon. Thank you, Mike. I, I understand uh, we're going to have some breaking news from uh, Poland, but we have to take a break first, and we're going to come up with Robert Yunane. That's right, and uh, we'll be right back. John Katz and the Dean is 
On the line right now, we have Babu Nanwe. He is the CEO of Goya Foods, and he is warning the world that we could be on the brink of a food crisis. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hear that John is uh, eating very healthy. He's eating uh, Goya red, red beans and uh, doing fantastic. With a little bit of rice. You're you <laughs> instructing me right. And I, I lost three inches. I'm still scared to go on the, uh, on the uh, uh, scale to weigh myself on the scale. But I lost three inches. Good for you. That's great. They said I couldn't. I wouldn't recognize you. So that's great, John. Keep up. That's well, healthy. I look that's forward great. to celebrating yeah, together. Whatever. They, and uh, we we always celebrate together. Thank you. Yes, sir. Give yes, us sir. an update. What's going on uh, in uh, overseas? Well, you know, there's a couple wars going on. You know, they've they've weaponized food, and you know, the war is creating this food crisis. Uh, I actually was just talking to a farmer, and I said, are you going to be fertilizing? They said fertilizer has gone up four times. And that's because between Ukraine and and, uh, Russia, they control 50% of the world's fertilizer. They control 30% of the world's wheat. They control 20% of the world's corn. There's two and a half million acres that they should plant of of sunflower. They have sand for fracking, sand for glass, uh, other products. And so with with Russia building this land bridge, which has cut, cut off Mariupol, and then Odessa is still pending, if they cut off that, they cut off access to the sea, they make Ukraine a, uh, a landlocked country, controlling a lot of food that is going to affect the African nations, and, and, and it's going to affect the global food uh, pricing and, and uh, around the world. But I tell you, John, the bigger crisis, the bigger crisis is the United States losing its freedom, going from oil independence to oil dependence. Russia is funding this war with oil and to Germany, to India and to other countries. I don't know. It's, you know, Joe Biden said, to this group, we're going to have you all in chains, and that's what we're all going to be in chains. We're li- we're giving up. We have the greatest nation on earth with all the natural resources, the, the military, oil, food, and that's what makes us great. And we- if we become dependent on others, we we stop being a great country. People come to this country for freedom, not to be slaves. We're all going to be put in chains if we lose this freedom. To, you know, oil in a pipeline, freight, uh, ocean freight has gone up 10 times. We bring in coconut water from Thailand. It went from $1,800 a container to 18000 20000 And so you put oil, not only you have it at cost, you have your oil, you're independent. Now let's go buy it from Russia who's funding this war. Or let's buy it from Iran or Venezuela and put it on a ship and spend – 10 times the normal rate, and buy it basically at retail. And, you know, this Green New Deal garbage, you know, you can't go overnight. We're giving up oil. People, we've well, fought you wars mentioned, for years Bob, with oil. Bob, uh, you mentioned oil, and I've said it the last few days. Uh, I said there's two ways to lick the inflation problem. One, you open up North America and, and drill for oil, and have, because we have 100 years worth of oil, and within 90 days, if we open up North America, oil, crude oil comes from, down from $100, $110 down to $55. And you well, every, every nation, Every nation in the world recognizes the importance of oil and all the byproducts. Russia is using Ukraine because they have oil, because they have food. And they're, they're selling oil and they're funding this war. We have... We're help. We're helping fund the war by buying. We were buying from Russia. Now we're buying from Iran and or wherever we're buying from Venezuela. Venezuela instead of producing. We're giving our enemies. We're giving our enemies a hundred and ten dollars a barrel for oil, which is stupid. And and the and the way they're trying to solve the problem is raising the interest rates. But let me tell you what happens when they raise the interest rates. The thirty-year mortgage is now over five percent. So what they're going to do is instead of fixing it through opening up the oil fields, they're fixing it by raising interest rates, and it's going to destroy the real estate industry in America. Look, with our strength, we've always protected the innocent and the defenseless around the globe. And now when we give up that 
strength, that the, the, the resources. We become slaves. We are not going to be in a position to help anyone, not even ourselves. And that's what's happening with this. It's this Green New Deal, we were we were doing well. There wasn't there was peace in the land in the last administration, and within 18 months or more, we've destroyed. We're giving away. I don't know who's in charge, but this Green New Deal is destroying our country. We're going to be subservient, to, and we're not going to be Robert, able to. We're well, losing before, our independence. Before we go to a break, I want to know why Goya beans are better than anybody else's because I eat Goya beans, and there's a significant difference between your beans and anybody else's. Well, we do fill our cans. You know, we, we try to give good value. Beans are rich in fiber, protein, antioxidants, phytonutrients, and you combine with rice, you get a complete protein. That's why a lot of the Latinos, we eat rice and beans together, but we like different beans. Uh, we, we always select the best quality. I, I purchased beans for, for many years. Most of them come from the U.S., some from Central South America. And which Mexico. are the best beans? What do you like the best? Uh, you know, as a, as living in Puerto Rico for 10 years, I love the pink beans which come from Idaho. Uh, the reds, you know, the small reds. The, the chickpeas are chickpeas now, come from Mexico. Oreo cookies. Great. I'm paying $7 <laughs> for Oreo cookies. Can't you make any Goya Oreo cookies or anything? The, the thing that's happening with, with, with food prices is not necessarily the cost of the food, which is going up. It's the cost of transportation. It's the cost of the packaging. Everything related to oil, steel. It's, the steel can went up 64%. Wow. Uh, glass is going up because, hey, Ukraine has sand for making glass. Our, our, our facilities in Spain that we pack olive oil and olives, glass went up 62%. So it's the packaging and transportation. The transportation companies, the transportation companies have made more money in one year than in the previous 10 because the freight rates went up 10. But we have the demand. The United States has the biggest demand. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. But we, the food costs are going to go up with fertilizers and, and the shortages of that is coming with wheat and corn and other things. But the big cost of everything is transportation, packaging, all related to oil. And it goes back to that, John, and becoming dependent because we're not making it ourselves. We're, we're giving it to others. We're becoming subservient Understood. to others. Understood. We got a drill. And I sent you a check today for uh, uh, to buy some more foods for the refugees in Ukraine uh, and to make sure make sure we get a good price. <laughs> you are you are a great heart, and Rob, I love you, and uh, thank you for thank that. Thank you. You're, you're, Robert Yanane, CEO of Goya Foods, one of the most generous guys I know. Thank you so much for everything you do for our country and, our, and the world, and God bless you, and we have to take a hard break. Thank you so much, Robert. God bless. Love thank you guys. Bye. Let's take that break, and when we come back, we have the famous, today is the 50th anniversary of The, the French, French Connection. Connection. And if you haven't seen that movie yet, you better see it now. <laughs> and we have Tony LaBianco with us. Let's take that break. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Today is the 50th anniversary of the French Connection. Here's a famous clip. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the barn. Get on the wall. Well, that comes from none other than Tony Lobianco, who is on the line with us right now. Hi, Tony. Hi, hi. That's not that's not me speaking. That's Gene Hackman. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, see, I never watched the movie. That's a great, <laughs> movie. great movie. Oh my God! You guys one of the best the movies ever. ever. She was born. I'm sorry. One of the best movies ever. Uh oh. Yeah, and and listen, it's it's today is not the anniversary. It's this year is the anniversary, the 50 year anniversary. Let's get some things. Well, I I, I I told you to call in today because I thought it was today was the anniversary. 
Not today, not today, but we're doing it May 1st. We are celebrating it in Staten Island at the St. George Hotel. And it's a, I mean, a hotel, not a hotel, St. George Theater in Staten Island. Beautiful, beautiful theater. On May 1st, the doors open at 5 o'clock. I'll be there to, to, to do a uh, Q&A and then a greet and meet and all that jazz. And I'm very excited about that movie because <clears throat> after 50 years, it still holds up. It's one of the real classics. Of course, it won five Academy Awards, so uh, that was that. That's quite something. And and uh, Gene Hackman was uh, magnificent as as always. And it was a it was a, a thrill to do that film. Uh, every time uh, uh, when we went out to to work each day, it was uh, just a light delight because we're all friends. We're all. We all knew each other. We had a purpose. Billy Freakin, who was a young kid then, he was was 33 years old. Uh, So was I. Tony, this is Pete King. Tony? Billy was directing it. Tony, this is Pete King. How you doing? I have a question. When you guys were filming this, did you sense then it was going to become a classic? I I did. I tell you the truth. I uh, I don't know about thinking it was a classic when I was filming it, but after I I saw it, uh, I told Gene, I called Gene in Hollywood, and I said, uh, Gene hadn't seen it yet. And I said, Gene, you're going to win the Academy Award. Uh, I, mean, I knew it when I saw it. And uh, we were having such a great time filming it. It was like normal. Natural. It was my second movie, you know. My first film was The Honeymoon Killers and then this one. And, uh, you know, I, and uh, Honeymoon Killers became a, a cult classic, quite a film. And, uh, and now this one. And uh, we just did. I mean, Sonny Grasso, the uh, the that the story is about. He's a former cop, right? Yeah. Excuse me. Sonny Grasso is a cop himself, a real cop in in real life. Yeah, well, he's it's his story. Yeah, it's his story. Yeah, he and he and Eddie Egan. Tony LaBianco, we wanted to hear your voice uh, because of the 50th anniversary this year, and uh, thank you for coming on, and God bless you, and and along with Judge Richard Weinberg, Ed Cox, and Congressman. What's your name again? Congressman <laughs> Peter King. Uh, and uh, we, Jim McGreevy uh, cut out on us already, the governor. He had to beat the traffic. He had to beat the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, governors then, can do that. And I'm going to go watch the movie. Lydia Lydia Sarai, 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 Sarai. It's like I go watch the movie. Yes. Thank you all. God bless uh, New York and God bless America. And since Jim McGreevy was here today, God bless New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.